This week is week five in a six-week series called Derailed, which most of you would know. Uh, we're working our way through these six stages of what it's like to get back on the rail after being uh, knocked off the rails of life by tragedy, loss, or disappointment. And so we have this slide that's uh, showing you where we've been. And so far we've said people can get stuck in the first three stages. Um, shocks, sorrows, struggle, these stages of getting derailed can keep us down. For years, you probably know someone who went through something and they turned away from God, they turned away from the church years and years and years ago. And they're still bitter, they're still resentful, and they haven't come back to God because they got stuck somewhere in the first three stages. Shock, sorrow, struggle. You probably could name a name. Maybe it's even something you've experienced where you got stuck in this kind of a a journey. Maybe you're realizing that you're the one that got stuck. Every one of us needs to understand this material we're presenting. And what I've been telling people who've been calling and stopping by the church, I've been saying, don't come to these last three until you've seen the first three. So if you're here this morning and you've been through a tragedy and you did not hear our teaching on shock, sorrow, and struggle, I just want you to listen with a lot of grace this morning because um, it's really hard to jump into what we're talking about this morning if you don't understand that we're saying you can have all the time in the world for shock. You know, you can have as much time as you want for those things. We live in a broken world. These kinds of tragedies and pain and loss happen. And we need to be free to walk through this. The Bible says in a season. And how long the season is, we don't know for you. Your journey is your journey. These are not prescriptive. We're not saying go through shock first for in a week and then go through sorrow and then go through struggle. We're saying God is going to do this in you. You're going to experience this. So your experience is your experience. We're trying to help you know some of what the Bible says about this. This week I've met with several people who are in their own struggles somewhere on this journey. And there's a lot of people, right? Just read the newspaper every night. There's a lot of people going through stuff, and um, some of them are in this room, and it's not fun, and it's work, and it's painful, but it really matters. So I hope you uh, have heard the earlier teachings, and then that you'll be ready for uh, what I bring today, which, remember, is stage five. So let me review quick. Shock. People are numbed by this loss, death, disappointment, tragedy. A woman was in my office a week ago on a Wednesday night and she said, Dave, now I know what you were talking about at the gathering when you were talking about groaning on the way to Florida. She said, my brother just died and we drive, drove down south to be with him, to his family. And she said, I was just groaning. She said, when you talked about it, I didn't really know what you were talking about and now I know shock is groaning. And when we're in shock, we need help from God and we need help from others and When we're in shock, our part of walking with someone in shock is that we need to, Jeff's taught this, show up, share their pain, take initiative. And then I taught on sorrow, stage two, and I said this, loss is unavoidable, but grieving is a healthy choice and we need to grieve. We need to put ourselves in the appropriate places to bring up that sorrow and to experience that sorrow because if we don't, it's like we're trying to hold underwater a beach ball and eventually it's going to pop up in destructive behavior. And I've had several of you, several of you come up and go, Dave, I see that. I see that because I didn't uh, lament, which lament is, remember, lament is complaining to God. 
and that's a form of worship? If you stop and go for a walk this afternoon and you complain to God, the Bible calls it lamenting. It's a form of worship. Now, if I visit with you and I'm complaining about God, that's sin. So God says, bring it directly to me. And that's a form of worship. So uh, we're doing that. Kurt taught struggle. One of, one of you came to me this week and said, I love Kurt's teaching on struggle, how there are narrow places where mentally you have to go through the tunnel. And you line up the cars and then you have to take it through the tunnel and ask the questions. And sometimes, Kurt taught, we need to learn to live without the answers. Right? There are no answers. A few seconds difference in Florida this past summer and my son and two grandchildren would be attending school and being having a healthy year. A few seconds difference. That's a question. Why? Why God? God has the power. Why didn't he do that? That's a question I will not get answered in this lifetime. But I need to be able to live without those answers. Struggle. Last week, Alice taught surrender. She did just a fantastic job. I think it was the best teaching on surrender I've ever heard. I think uh, she said, we have to ask three questions. Uh, what do I need to accept is over? God, it's over. I need to accept that it's over. She said, what is the new reality God is asking me to live in? And then she said, um, what good might God be bringing out of this? And she said, we're not to ask each other, have you surrendered yet? And she said, and one of my grandsons told me this week, this is the part of the sermon he really got, she said, if somebody had asked me that at the wrong time, I'd want to hit him in the face. So my grandson was saying about Alice, like not just hit him in the face, kick him, shove him. She never said that, but he heard it. Uh, that um, we have to be gentle with each other as we move through these phases. We have to be gentle. Um, sanctification now is this next phase. It's a biblical word. And all sanctification means is this. It's, it's not complicated. It's mean in all this uh, tr- tribulation, all this trouble, all this angst, in this lost tragedy, disappointment, sanctification is simply God is going to work in you to grow you deeper. That's all it means. God is going to work in you to grow you deeper. So you go through a tragedy... You come out on the other end and you're a different person. And why are you a different person? Because the Bible says sanctification, God worked in you to change you. And then next week, Brian's coming with service. And simply service is this, God works through you in tragedy. So sanctification, God works in you. Service, God works through you. And it's mostly what God does. Surrender, stage four, you do. You surrender, and some of you, I thought I used to know surrender until June 10 came. Then I realized, oh gosh, I got a whole nother layer of surrender to learn. Surrender. We do that. But then God, as we surrender, God sanctifies us. He changes us from within. And then he creates service through us. In most cases, God does not put the pain into our lives. That's caused by a broken world. That's caused by sin. God allows the pain because we live in a broken world, but he is not the cause of the pain. So here's the key verse. 
2 Corinthians 4. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Christ, that pain, that loss, that tragedy, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body, in our lives. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death of Jesus, a loss, pain, tragedy. We're always being given over to that so that his life, Jesus' life, may be revealed in our mortal body, our mortal lives. So what does the verse say? It says, we're going to have these bad things happen because that's the death of Jesus, but he's going to work in us to make us more like Jesus. That's sanctification. Let me show you a diagram of how this fits into our whole church program. Uh, I've shown this. We've taught on it five or six times over the last 15 years. This is how we believe people grow in Jesus. And some of you are here, you know, for the baptisms, or some of you are here visiting for the first time, and you say, well, how do people actually more and more connect with Jesus? This is our strategy. It's out of a book called uh, Sacred Journey. Uh, one, we recognize who God is. I call this the answer, fill in the blanks phase. God's the creator. Jesus died on the cross for our sin. We fill in the blanks. We learn this stuff. And we're going to teach these little ones up here for the baptism. We're going to teach this stuff to them in Great Adventure and in VBS and in all of these things. We're going to be teaching these kids to fill in the blanks so they recognize who God is. Then the second phase of growth is it's a life of discipleship. This is like when I'm born, one of these babies... And they begin to grow up. You know who the center of their world is? Them. Uh, selfishly, they think they're the center of the world. Everything is what I want. And then what do we teach them as Christian parents? And as a church, we teach them, no, who's the center of the world? Who gets my allegiance? It's Jesus. I'm not the center of the world. Jesus is the center of the world. So um, that's what happens in, in uh, number two. And then number three is the productive life. As we follow Jesus and we give him our allegiance, we start to do work for him. You know, we mow the grass at church. We come and serve in the nursery. We make coffee. We um, love our neighbor. We uh, serve in other uh, venues across the city. And why do we do it? Because we're trying to be productive for Christ. And then the fourth category, the one I never knew until I read this book, is we hit a wall. And when we hit the wall, it puts us on our spiritual butt. It knocks us on our spiritual butt. And we're down on the ground. We hit the wall. And then this is where we go through shock, sorrow, struggle. This is where the whole series fits right here when we hit a wall. And the answer is, there's only one answer when we're down hitting the wall, and it's Jesus. And then when we come back, we have a journey outward. We have a service. We, we still do all the work. We do all the service. But it's with a clearer uh, motivation. That is Jesus. It's all Jesus. And then we go on to a life of love. And this is like a slinky. We go over and over again. A guy comes into my office. And he says, Dave, I think I'm losing my faith. I thought I knew God. I thought I believed in him. I thought I was a Christ follower. And I'm serving in like six or seven places in the church. But I feel like I'm losing my faith. I lost my job. And I don't know where God is in all this. Or another guy, my wife just filed divorce. And where's God? I don't feel him. Or I just buried my child. And there's all this pain. And when that happens, 
I actually go over to my file cabinet in the top drawer and pull out a picture of that with more explanation. And I go, you're not losing your faith. You've just been knocked. You've just hit the wall. You've just been knocked on your spiritual butt. And God is going to use this time in you. But right now, all you know is it hurts. It hurts. You're not losing your faith. Your faith is going deeper. And it's okay to re-ask the questions. Otherwise, why would a leader like me, eventually, after our tragedy, eventually have to re-ask the questions, God, are you real? And after we buried Charlie, Bailey, and Ben, weeks later, I have to carefully ask the questions, God, are you real? Do you even exist? Do you actually love me? Did you love Ben, Charlie, and Bailey? I have to ask those questions. And when I answer them, the answer is deeper, it's stronger, it's more sure. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, we're giving this verse, I think, every week. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I look back at my life, and it's a series of hitting walls and being knocked on my spiritual butt. 1976, the doctor walks into a hospital lobby where I'm waiting for him. And he says, Dave, your wife just had twins. They kicked me out of the delivery room because it was too tough. Your wife just had twins, and probably your son may live, but your daughter probably not, and we're transporting him to a hospital. And that's the first time I was knocked on my spiritual butt. I hit the wall. And I said, oh, my goodness, what's happening? And in those days, I tried to bargain with God. It's like, God, I'll do anything you want. Just save them. And in those days, I learned, what I learned at that first time I got knocked down, was everything really important I have no control of. No control in this life of actually everything important. I try to control stuff. But the really important stuff, you have no control. In 2002, this church went through a uh, a tragedy, a, a, a pruning, a train wreck. I call it a train wreck. The elders would call it a pruning. Uh, and like at one point, there was so much attack on uh, just our staff and on me and like, does Dave have integrity? I was laying in bed one night with my arm around my wife and I said, Lynn, am I a good man? I can't figure it out anymore. I can't figure out whether I'm a good man. So many people were saying things. and She said, uh, yeah, Dave, you're the best man I know. And that helped me. Um, it was hard. That was, a, that was another wall that knocked me down. And I had to come through it. 2007, our granddaughter, Kaya, was in a hospital ward in Iowa City with infection, newly born. And that was a wall. 2014, our newest grandbaby, Carrie, if you remember, was in intensive care for two or three months, and everything was wrong with her. Uh, Breathing, circulation, heart, kidneys, nothing was working. And yet she came back. And then June 10th, 2015, this last summer, when we got the phone call about the death of our three family members. So when I look back at my history, it's a series of walls that I've hit that have been really, really hard. But in it, God has changed my spiritual DNA. God has changed me. In spite of me. 
He's caused me to grow deeper. I wouldn't have volunteered for any of those. None of them. I would have said, God, I would have prayed, God, don't let these things happen to me. And I would still pray that about last summer. If God asked me, and God said, Dave, God, I've done so much good through the death of Ben, Charlie, and Bailey. Uh, do you want them back? I would say, it, it, it wouldn't even take me one second to say, yeah, I'll take them back and forget all the good. That's just how I feel. That's what's going on in the whole in me. And I keep talking about this because I think it's important that we understand that there's going to be uh, stuff that's too painful. And it will not go away and I will miss them every day. And I say this probably every time I teach since then. No amount of faith in Jesus decreases the pain. No amount of faith in Jesus decreases the pain. Now, here's the key verse, though, that I want to teach uh, on this sanctification series. It's uh, Romans 8, 28, and it says this, And we know that in all these things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So let's look at the verse for just a minute while it's up there. For we know... How do we know? God's word tells us. The life of Jesus lived on earth tells us. And our experience in this life tells us. For we know that in all things... Now, all things, what's that? That's good things, bad things, evil things, joyful things, sad things, grief, that hole in your heart, in pain, loss, and grief, in all things, in things past and in things future, in all things, God works... Who does it? Who sanctifies? Who grows you deeper in Christ? God works. He does things I cannot do. I cannot bring good out of the death of our family members. I cannot. But God can. And here's the promise then. God works for the good of those who love him. Now, one translation says it this way, and I like this one part of this translation, and we know that all things work together for good. Not all things are good, but God somehow can make all things work together for good. It's like, I, I love pizza. And so you've got pizza, and it includes a lot of ingredients, right? Flour and grease. Mine have lots of grease. Uh, flour and grease, salt. Mine has quite a bit of salt. Well, you don't take each ingredient by itself and say, oh, yum, that flour is great. Love that spoonful of grease. Uh, no, but when you put it all together, all of life together, then God promises to work good out of all of it together. To whom? To those who have been called according to his purposes. So I've thought quite a bit about other people's tragedies as you've come in and visited with me. And I've thought quite a bit about our tragedy in Florida. And uh, I've thought about it's only like a few seconds difference that God could have made a huge difference. So then people have asked me privately, friends, so where do you think God was on June 10th when Ben, Charlie, and Bailey died? And at first, I wanted to hear all the reports about how his presence was at the scene of the accident. And I was thinking about that. And how I've really thought about it is this now. God was right there. Right there. 
It's the same place he was when Jesus died on a cross. He was right there. He was watching. He was heartbroken. He suffered with me and Aaron and Kaya and Linda and Em and Jace. That's our God. He had the power to change it. But for some reason, we cannot understand at this point, he did not change it. He allowed this broken world to take my son and grandchildren. And now he promises to do some good in it. Some good in me and some good through service to others. He's going to work good in it. He is. Not because of anything I'm willing or able to do. I'm not. He's doing it. Sanctification. Changing within us, within me. Not everything that happens on earth is God's will. Cancer is not God's will. War is not God's will. Genocide is not God's will. Death is not God's perfect will. A traffic accident that takes lives is not God's will. But even in the brokenness and evil, God can bring good. Anyone can bring good out of good, even you, even me. But God specializes in bringing good out of bad. He loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. That's his specialty. For he took, think about this, he took the most gruesome event in all of history, the crucifixion of a purpose, perfect human being, Jesus, who had never sinned, who was put on a cross, what? For sin, but he never did it. It was our sin. He took the most gruesome event in history and turned it into the most awesome event of history. And when Doug was holding these babies up here, did you hear what he said over and over again? It's because of Jesus and his promise that we're going to baptize you. Because of what? That gruesome day when everything went wrong, but God made it a huge, awesome, powerful day for us. The world's greatest triumph came out of its darkest moment and much of our growth through God will come out of our darkest moments and it will change our DNA. I look the same somewhat 10 months ago, but I'm a different man inside. My spiritual DNA is different. That's sanctification. God has changed me. I can relate to pain so much better than I could before. I can relate to loss and grief. I know things about that I never knew, and I couldn't learn learn in a book. And that's sanctification. God didn't ask me, is this what you want, Dave? And the same thing would be true about your loss, grief, or tragedy. God didn't ask you. You wouldn't have chosen it. You wouldn't have. Three things we can do to allow God to work. And uh, these are on a slide. Remember, God's long-term plan is good. His long-term plan for your life and your family and this world is good. Heaven exists. Heaven's a real place. Being with God for eternity. God's long-range plan is good. Second thing. Oh, by the way, that's the song we sing, Good, Good Father. Second thing is we rejoice and give thanks. The Bible says to give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, not for what's happening, but in those things. While they're going on, give thanks to God. And then number three, 
refuse to give up. As you're walking through, shock, sorrow, struggle, surrender. Get up every morning and walk through the shock. Get up every morning, embrace the sorrow. Get up every morning, struggle with the questions. Get up every morning and as best you can, try to surrender. And then God will work in you and he will work through you. If you're going through a tragedy in this moment and you walk in here with a broken heart and we think one out of five people at least walk in with a broken heart every Sunday. I hope this message could be one of encouragement for you. What we would hate is if you left here and said, oh no, one more thing for me to do. No. Just keep walking where you are in your experience, please. Tim's going to come and sing a song called uh, When the Fight Calls. And walking through a tragedy or a loss or a disappointment, it's a fight. And so this song is about that. When the fight calls, and the first line is really about God. You've overcome this world with love and made my fight your own. It's speaking about God and it said, you've overcome this world with love, God, and you've made my fight your own. Tim. You are greater Forever you are Savior I will sing your praise With all that I have All that I am, Lord oh. I stare down the waves Cause you own the tide I'll steal my soul and know Wait for me on waters wild Where faith walks about a storm Cause even when the world caves Even when the fight calls Even when the wars wage I'll take heart I know you are greater Forever you are Savior I will sing your praise with all that I have, all that I am, Lord. Oh. I won't let 
the storm weather my heart Won't let the darkness beat me down Sing in the night my hope alive in you I'll walk through the fire and not be burned Pray in the fight and watch it turn Jesus tonight I give it all to you I won't let the storm weather my heart Won't let the darkness beat me down Sing in the night my hope alive in you I'll walk through the fire and not be burned Pray in the fight and watch it turn Jesus tonight I give it all to you Cause even when the world caves Even when the fight calls Even when the wars wage I'll take heart I know you are greater Forever you are Savior I will sing your praise With all that I have All that I am Lord I won't let the storm weather my heart Won't let the darkness beat me down Sing in the night my hope alive in you I walk through the fire and not be burned. Pray in the fight and watch it turn. Jesus, tonight I give it all to you. I won't let the storm weather my heart. Won't let the darkness beat me down. Sing in the night, my hope alive in you. I walk through the fire and not be burned. Pray in the fight and watch it turn. Jesus, tonight I give it all to you. Jesus tonight, I give it all to you. Jesus tonight, I give it all to you. Let's pray. Dear God, in the name of Jesus, we come. And Father, uh, my friends in the room who are walking through loss and tragedy and pain, Father, could they sense your presence? Could they sense how real you are? Could they count on you to fight their fight for them? Father, uh, help those of us who are walking with folks in pain and sorrow and struggle. Help those of us who are walking beside, linking arms with folks like that. Help us be wise. Help us care deeply. Help us reach out and take some initiative. Help us know that Jesus is the source of all healing. Father, I want to pray for people who have uh, been away from the church, away from you for years and years and years because they got stuck in resentment, bitterness. Father, draw them back to you. Use us if we could. Use even this series. Use, uh, Use whatever you choose to use. We give ourselves to you, Father. As best we can, we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.